You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. All right, yeah, our roster looks great on paper. Whoop the hell. All right. But at the end of the day, we better be a good team. And you start building that during this time of the year. Get your sorry ass up! Get your sorry ass up! Doing a lot of talking with somebody that ain't do shit today. Doing a lot of talking. Do you think you're better than Jarrell Revis is right now? I'm better than you. My 24 years of life, I'm better at life than you. Dang, dang! Time is on the I ain't never seen you before, huh? Back up, Tanner, coach, you need some help. We're gonna expose you, boy. All right, we coming at your ass. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Roundtable. Let's go! Let's go! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me, your host, Matthew Burning at Sports Fanatic MB on Twitter. We are just one of a ton of great podcasts associated with this network, though, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Corey Parsons and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Mr. Bob Lung, the award-winning fantasy football consistency guide and the creator of the Midwest Fantasy Expo. Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of great others, and you can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We at the Roundtable are also excited to be partnering with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTBoxScore on Twitter. They have some of the most advanced stats in football, baseball, basketball, and college football. College football stats are extremely hard to find. For just $15 a year, you can look at all of these. I'm telling you guys, it is well worth it. If you like to dive into the analytical side of sports and or for I use it for prospects, college football prospects specifically, it is amazing. It goes down to the minutest of details in this stuff. And again, it's just $15 a year. If you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you will get 10% off of that, which is a steal of a deal, if I do say so myself, and probably the best deal in the industry. So definitely check them out, especially if you want to get a jump on the upcoming draft class. It'll be well worth your time and money. It's Super Bowl Friday. We're almost there. The best game of the year. The championship game for the NFL. Dennis is going to be joining me tonight. You can follow him at Twitter, or on Twitter, I'm sorry, at Culture underscore Coach. We're going to take one more run here at the Super Bowl, get his opinions on everything. Me and him are going to recap the Senior Bowl uh, that happened this past Saturday. Uh, we had obviously not got a ch- chance to talk about it earlier, so we're going to jump on and talk about the prospects that hit there, and then just some of the other news items that have happened throughout the week. It is the Friday before the Super Bowl, and we've got Mr. Dennis Bennett with us. Go over uh, a couple things here. Dennis, how's your week been for you? You know, my week has been busy, busy, busy. Uh, It's just that time of year where we're wrapping stuff up from the holidays still, and school is going full force with the kids and their curricular, extracurricular activities and them damn ducks. So... 
Yeah, I feel like it never really slows down, right? Like during the football season, we're all so busy with everything, especially this year. You being the the managing editor of Dynasty Nerds, I'm sure was was hectic with everything you had putting on there, all the podcast articles, everything going on, and then you think it's gonna slow down a little bit, and then it's always something else, isn't it? That just jumps right up, and it just never seems to slow down. It's a little bit disappointing, if I'm gonna be honest. I was really kind of hoping for some. Some relaxation time, and it just really hasn't come for us. But, I, you know, I'm sure it'll come here eventually. Maybe if I'm able to retire early, I'll, I'll be able to get in all that rest and relaxation that I was looking you know, man, for. Off-season relaxation is for redraft leagues. I was looking at the, the download numbers for Dynasty Nerds and the traffic numbers to the website for Dynasty Nerds. Mm-hmm. And we are just at the beginning of peak season. And so I would expect that uh, shows like ours and shows like theirs – we're just starting to pick up, you know, once the Super Bowl is in the books, you know, it's on to rookies and Debbie and getting ready for the NFL draft and startup drafts. You know, we're do you and I are going to do mock draft Monday this week with yep. uh, on the, it, the Dynasty Nerds Twitch channel. We'll be doing a, a mock draft on Sleeper with Super Flexor FF. Uh, it'll, it's going to be pretty cool to, to be part of the Twitch thing, part of Dynasty Nerds. And things are just ramping up. You know, it's going to be busy, busy, busy for the next probably till till after the draft. I oh, think. Oh yeah, yeah. And then you're then you know for someone like uh, I mean, like I said, you you being the managing editor, it's going to be busy for you all year round, regardless. But that's a the one thing that's going to be probably a little bit different for me this year is I've already been. Um, for those of you who don't know what the Dynasty Nerds, you've got Jared Wackerly and Garrett Price who kind of run everything. Debbie, Jared, Jared, the one ahead of in charge of the little Devi department we have going on there at Dynasty Nerds. I've been talking to him a lot because I'm going to start doing some more Devi pieces. And that's the worst part about it. Is as soon as the draft gets out, you're already starting to get into like spring practices and everything for college football and everything. So it's it's not even going to end for me. I'm going to go right into all my Devi stuff as we start to get ready uh, for next season. So yeah, it's going to be... It's this is the fun time though. Though, like the one thing I I would say about the in season stuff is it does for me it wears on me a little bit because it's almost kind of the same thing every week at times. Like you're just kind of sometimes you're talking about the same players or the same stuff, and so it does get a little bit. Uh, I I don't want to say annoying. Annoying is not the right word, but it's it's just the same thing kind of over and over again. Except for like this year when you get the stories like Baltimore, San Francisco. When you get when interesting stories like that, it makes it fun. But sometimes some of the stuff is is the same stuff over and over again. Where this time it's all brand new because you're getting all new rookies in, new stuff with Debbie, and it's fun for us to go in and break them down. Especially like we did last week where we did our breakdown of of what we got right and what we got wrong with the rookie class. So it is definitely my favorite time of the year for sure. Especially because we're all just kind of. In a way, gas bagging up here. We're, we're, we're guessing what we think these guys are going to do, and we really don't know as much as we think. Uh, you know, we, we think we know, I guess, is the way to put it, because you just can't right now with landing spots and everything else that's about to happen. Uh, it's an interesting time. So I was mentioning just a minute ago that I wanted to retire. We've got uh, all kinds of quarterback news out there with guys we thought were going to retire, maybe not going to retire uh, we talked about right before coming on, we're going to leave the Tom Brady thing alone because we both think it's a big troll, so I'm not even going to get into that. But but Philip Rivers, uh, we, we touched on him a little bit last week, or I believe it was on last Monday's episode, just kind of you, you thought he might end up going back to Los Angeles. It seems more and more like he might end up retiring. Uh, has that changed at all your thoughts, or do you think he still goes back to Los Angeles, maybe Tampa Bay? Like Where, where are you leaning now on Philip Rivers and how much – uh, with him, you've got uh, obviously the stuff we were just talking about with Brady. What, what's going on with Drew Brees, who we'll touch on here in a minute. A quarterback free agency class that we thought might be changing the landscape here a little bit of the NFL and the NFL draft with these quarterbacks we have coming out. All of a sudden might be looking like none of these guys may be here. So Rivers, actually I'll just bring up Brees because it's all kind of the same uh, talk here. I, I saw an interview with him today he was doing on ESPN uh, that he's going to give it at least one or two more weeks before he makes his decision. He wants to sit down and talk with his family. And uh, it's interesting to me because you've always seen in the offseasons, Drew Brees has been like, nope, I'm playing next year. I'm ready to go. I want to play. And this is the first time you've really kind of seen him take a step back uh, and been like, you know, I'm going to give it some time and I'm going to talk to my family. And it almost seems like in a way he's leaning toward retirement. You always see players say, uh, once you kind of have that thought in your head, you're already done. Uh, so I'm interested. What, what are your thoughts on Brees and Rivers? Uh 
you know, either, neither, both retire, both come back. You, you know, are you leaning either way with what those two guys? You know, I'm starting to think more with Rivers that he's he, he's on the I'm going to retire side of the spectrum. Uh, you know, the Chargers, they're going in another direction. I think they'd take him back if he wanted to come back, but he's he's clearly lost some some arm strength. He's not the quarterback he used to be, and I I think you know he's got so many kids. At some point, you you, you just reach reach a point where it's just time, and you're 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 starting. You're going to go. You know. What else? I, I don't have to prove anything. You know, I I didn't win a Super Bowl, but I've had a great career. I've had a long career. He, he's not playing for the money. You know, Rivers is competitive, so that might be something that drives him. Right. But I could see him. You know, he came in with Eli, goes out with Eli. You know, there's that storyline. Uh, you know, moving to Florida. I I don't think he's better than Jameis. So if I'm Tampa, I, I don't want Rivers. Right. Uh, you know, Miami looks like they're going to have Fitzpatrick and probably Tua, which I think is fantastic for both of those guys. Fitzpatrick can start this year. Tua can get healthy. Uh, 2021, they've still got a high draft pick going into that season, and uh, they're basically rebuilt at that point. So where does Rivers fit? You know, I, I don't know. I I think of the available quarterbacks that are going to be out there. I don't think he's nearly the the most talented or best one available. And typically, there's not a ton of good quarterbacks on the free agent market. Yeah. So, Breeze, uh, you know that's that's the thing with that that whole one foot out the door. If you're thinking about it, you're already gone. You know that's a tough tough situation there. I think Breeze will come back uh, just because that team, unlike the Chargers, the Saints, they're ready to win right now. They're they're close, and he's not the reason they're not didn't go further in the playoffs. So you know they've got a good team, uh, good coaching staff. Things are, are are in place. I don't think Taysom Hill's the answer. I'm not sure that Teddy Bridgewater is, but I'm pretty positive Taysom Hill isn't. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on the Taysom Hill thing. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, obviously, on Monday because uh, Matthew Fox uh, is a big Taysom Hill guy because or I, I would say he's a big Taysom Hill guy because of all the shares he owns of him, obviously. Uh, I'd be really interested if Breeze ended up leaving if they really went the Taysom Hill route, not Teddy Bridgewater, especially with him kind of continuing to come back there after his contract ran up that first time and how well he played earlier this year in the five games when Breeze was out. Uh, you know, obviously uh, a lot of us in the industry – for the most part, like Teddy when he came out and the horrific knee injury there in Minnesota kind of hurt his chances there. Uh, really looked like he was coming on at the end of the year before that injury in, in uh, uh, I don't think it was mini camps. It was a uh, preseason, I believe, like just, re- just sitting in practice preseason game before the preseason ended up really a horrific knee injury. So I'm glad you brought up the Fitzpatrick thing because I- I'm interested in that. He was also uh, on ESPN today, uh, and I was listening to an re- interview he gave where he said he'd love to be back in Miami. He is under contract for one more year, and he believes he'll be back there, uh, which really would be interesting because I don't know if you saw this. and You kind of – you obviously don't know how much truth this is to it, but uh, Andy Slater, who who is in the Miami area, he's uh, on Twitter. He's someone who notoriously, if you like to uh, know the picks before they're going to happen, uh, you can follow him on Twitter, and he'll announce the picks probably a good couple minutes before they're announced on TV. Uh, not just because they obviously get announced live quicker uh, than they do on TV sometimes with all the commercial breaks and everything, but he just has the inside scoop on that stuff. He seems to get the picks before a lot of other people do. Uh, he put out a little bit of a report that uh, there was an interview or Tua was getting interviewed by somebody, and one of the people asked him or and his father if he'd like to be in Miami, and they both said yes, and his father said he hopes that Miami drafts him. Uh, so it's, it seems like they really want to go there. I do think it would be a good fit for them, as you were saying, and, and a lot of it mostly because I think 
it would give him the chance to sit the entire year, especially with that knee injury. Would uh, I know you're obviously a big fan of Preston Williams. Uh, hopefully he'll be back early next year too. Had that the the torn ACL. I think it was like week four or five, six in the in the regular season. You know, just a little bit of projection here, so we don't know for sure if he'd go to Miami. But if he ended up landing in Miami, do you think that'd be a good thing for their offense? Would you like seeing Tua land there? I, I would. You know, I'm, I'm kind of looking at the order, draft order, and I do think that if Miami wants Tua, you know, they're going to have to take him at five. I don't think he'll be there uh, at 18. Yeah. Um, but then there's also I could see Herbert going at six to the Chargers. Yeah, that's where I think he's gonna uh, go. I'm with you. You know, it's a it's a weird situation where I don't know if that's where his ability dictates he should go, but I I think that's where the market will dictate you're you're gonna have to take him if you want him mm-hmm. and, and you're the Chargers. But if that happens, so you got Burrow at one, two at five, Herbert at six. Who's the next quarterback off the off the board for you? Uh, I mean, probably Love, and we're all, well. Obviously, we're about to talk about both of them here when we talk about. Well, let's just let's just do it. Let's just jump into the Senior Bowl and talk about it. We we did not get a chance to recap it uh, on Monday's episode. Me and you uh, obviously talked about it the Friday before with the game being on last Saturday. So Jordan Love would probably be my guess. Uh, he really got a lot of. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I guess a lot of. Uh, a lot of hype after this Senior Bowl week. Him and Herbert have got a lot of really good pub out of Senior Bowl week. Uh, Love had a okay Senior Bowl game. It wasn't great. I'd say the same thing about Herbert, too. I know he won the Senior Bowl MVP, uh, but he didn't have a huge game. I think he was like 83 yards and a touchdown, so it wasn't a huge game for him. Uh, but I, I would say Love. Is there someone else you would put in there? I mean, you've got guys like like Fromm, who obviously had all the talk at the beginning of the year as being a first-round pick, and he seems to kind of dropped off that. Uh, Shea Patterson's a guy who got a lot of talk. Uh, Anthony Sucks. Gordon. Well, I don't disagree with you on that, uh, but he got a lot of pub because he was having a, a couple good days there at the Senior Bowl. Anthony Gordon, I believe, is a guy who got a lot of really good uh, pub as well out of the Senior Bowl. So out of those guys, is there one that you think would throw up there? Because I do think four quarterbacks are going to go in the first round this year. I, I think at four it comes down to uh, Love and Fromm, and, it, and it's going to depend on how much – how, what's your risk level? Mm-hmm. I think Fromm is the safer guy. He's not likely to be a superstar or a game changer. You know, he's an Andy Dalton style quarterback, an Alex Smith style quarterback, uh, but without Smith's mobility. Whereas Love has a little more mobility, uh, a bigger arm, but s- some accuracy issues. Uh, especially in a short game. Yeah. Uh, you know, I look at, so if the Saints, looking at the Saints, so let's say Breeze comes back this year. He's announced it before the draft. He's coming back. If that's the case, I'm not sure they keep Teddy. Uh, I could see them keeping Hill as a gadget guy, uh, a fill-in quarterback, but then taking somebody like Fromm or Love, to be that quarterback of the future. Because if, if Breeze comes back and he plays another year, he plays another two years, you know, Hill is going to be 30, 31 years old then. And, and he's not the future. He isn't the future now. And he's not going to be the future next year. And he's not going to be the future of the year after that. Right. But somebody like Love or Fromm could be. And so I think that it's a real possibility that Teddy walks – Breeze comes back for at least a year, probably two, uh, and they bring in somebody like Fromm or Love to be the developmental guy, the heir apparent to Breeze, while Hill is the gadget guy, the fill-in guy. Hill will be somebody that if Breeze has to miss a game, he can get by for a game. Uh, I think Teddy's a guy, if Breeze has to miss eight games, Teddy can fill in for eight games. I don't think Hill can be successful filling in for eight games, but I think he can be successful filling in for one. So from that perspective, I, I guess I could see the the Saints going with Fromm because I think Fromm would be ready to play quicker. Um, and he's got a 
you know, he, he's an okay quarterback, okay arm strength, good, good accuracy. Yeah. Um, but he suffers a little bit from the Tyrod Taylor syndrome of, uh, I'm not going to take the chance. Oh, yeah. Well, that's what – so I'm actually glad you kind of brought up from. I actually think he might not be a bad player to land in that offense, especially if Sean Payton's going to stay there because I could almost see Sean Payton kind of scheming the offense like McVay does for Goff. Now, Goff will take chances here and there, but for the most part he doesn't. I kind of feel like that would be the perfect place for Fromm to land because I could see Peyton scheming the offense. He's obviously got Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara. There's a lot of talk that they might grab a, t- uh, a wide receiver this year, which we know is loaded. So if they can get another good guy there as well, you got someone opposite of Michael Thomas finally. Might not be a bad place for Fromm to land. Uh, another guy who wasn't at the Senior Bowl, uh, but I forgot, is kind of getting a lot of pub, and I'm interested to see where he goes, is Jacob Eason as well. They've got a, a lot of people have him rated very high uh, above guys like Jordan Love and Jake Fromm and Anthony Gordon. Uh, what about Jalen Hurts? Because he's a guy who a lot of people, I, I think unfair to him, have been comparing him to Lamar Jackson because of his running ability. And, you know, not that I think Lamar Jackson is the most accurate passer in the world, but he's definitely more accurate than than Jalen Hurts is. And I do think that the Senior Bowl week and game uh, actually, in a way, kind of hurt his value. He did not do nearly as good uh, as as a lot of people I think thought he was going to going in that week. At least from everything I saw. Again, we weren't there. We know people who were there, so I was just kind of reading what uh you know Stoops who is part of the Nerds team, he was there. Uh, so I, I just kind of based a lot of the stuff on what uh, I've seen and read off the people who were there and what they saw. What do you think for Hurts? Like, how how do you project him moving forward? Where do you think he goes in the NFL draft? Because, I mean, obviously, coming off the playoffs and everything, there are a lot of people talking about, again, with the comparison to Lamar Jackson, uh, that he might go first, second round. And I, I don't see that at all. I would be surprised if he goes before the third. I don't think Hertz is an NFL caliber quarterback. Okay. Uh, I don't think he has the accuracy. I don't think he processes well enough. Uh, I think he'll get drafted on his leadership ability, and he could have a six or seven or eight year career as a backup. Uh, but I, I don't think he's he's good enough to be an NFL quarterback. Um, yeah, he's a decent runner. I don't think he's near as fast as Lamar Jackson no. or nearly as elusive. Uh, he's a lot more powerful. Um, but as an NFL quarterback, uh, I'll I'll be happy to be wrong on him. I don't, I don't <laughs> wish him any ill will, but I'd be surprised if he was drafted before the fifth round. Yeah, I don't know if he if they someone would wait till the fifth. I do kind of feel like someone would. Uh... NFL coaches and their egos a little bit be like, you know, I think we can, we can, maybe not, but I feel like they might be looking at him and be like, oh, I think we can make him or, or design a way for him to uh, be able to become more accurate and stuff like that because he is a very good athlete. There's no doubt about that. I agree with you. He's not nearly as fast as Lamar. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where he lands. I, I'm with you, though. I don't think that he is an NFL quarterback. Never have thought that. He's still a, a great player, you know, extremely dynamic player, no doubt about that. Now, I'll uh, take him over Shea Patterson. Hey, I'm right there with you. I don't even know who Shea, who's Shea Patterson again. Did he, he play for that team up north, right? I, uh, yeah, I I don't understand that. There was a lot of talk, and I understand he was having some good practices, but, uh, I mean, again, uh, being not just a Buckeyes fan but a Big Ten fan and, and watching a lot of those games uh, by, for that team, uh, I, I don't see it at all. I, I'm sure he could be a good backup. I don't doubt that at all, but I don't see him at all being any kind of NFL quarterback. Could you even could you even project him as being a backup moving forward? Uh, I I, pro- I project Patterson as another Trace McSorley. Okay, gotcha. All right, so just not as fast. I want to go back to the Bridgewater thing really quick before we move on to start talking about some of the other Senior Bowl guys here. Uh, you were mentioning that you think he might move on, which I think is probably going to happen, especially if Breeze comes back. Where do you think he goes? Because I do think a lot of people still value him very highly, especially after what he did for those five weeks for the Saints. So you have teams that are looking for quarterbacks in, you know, let's just say Tampa Bay right now because we don't know what they're going to do with Jameis. You've got Carolina because we don't know what they're going to do with Cam. 
Uh, maybe Chicago. I know they're picking up Trubisky's fifth-year option, but they've already said they're going to bring someone in uh, to compete with him, even though it's quote-unquote his job. Uh, you know, Giants, no. Dallas may, uh, Dallas is going to bring back him, or Dak, I would imagine. You got the Chargers um, and, I mean, Indy. Like, there's not really a lot of spots here outside of the ones that we think are going to draft quarterbacks. So, do you think he goes to one of those teams and possibly blocks one of these quarterbacks that's about to get drafted? I'm going to take Cincinnati off the board here, unless Cincinnati does the Cincinnati thing, which wouldn't surprise me, but I do feel like they're kind of virtually locked into Joe Burrow. Yeah, I don't I don't imagine Cincinnati's going to do anything uh, other than take Burrow. Uh, again, I, I think Tampa is going with Jameis. Okay. Uh, Jameis is a, a solid quarterback. I, I believe that uh, if any quarterback has an ego, it's Bruce Arians. He, <laughs> yeah. he talks the talk and he walks the walk. And much like Mike Martz, Arians can live with some turnovers from aggression. And that's, you know, while Jameis makes – he's okay if Jameis makes a, an, an aggressive turnover. He's not okay if Jameis makes a bonehead turnover. So he's going to work to eliminate the bonehead turnovers. But Jameis is still, even in best-case scenario, probably a 15-interception guy. So going forward, you've got the guy that can run that offense in Jameis. So I don't really think there's a, a room for Teddy. I could see Chicago maybe, but, again, he Teddy's going to be a, a, a hedge there. Um, you know, an interesting place. Uh, what if Ben doesn't come back from the elbow injury in Pittsburgh? You know, what's their answer to that? It's not Duck Hodges. It certainly didn't look like it was Mason Rudolph. What are the Steelers going to do? I don't know. that. That's actually a really good question. I... I thought they might try and grab a guy. Because here's the thing. We've seen... The past couple years, and we've seen someone jump up into the end of the first round to grab quarterbacks. You know, most famously here recently, Lamar Jackson. Baltimore moved back in to grab him. And I've been thinking, it, what what about Pittsburgh? What about New Orleans? What about New England? Even if Tom comes back, you got to think that these guys are going to take it. And this quarterback class, for the most part, is deep. Like I said, a lot of people love Jacob Eason. You know, Jordan Love will likely still be on the board. Jake Fromm, who we've already talked about. You got a guy who's, who's clearly taking a huge hit in his stock after what happened this year. But you got Nate Stanley out of Iowa, who's getting a lot of love earlier in the season. Anthony Gordon from the Senior Bowl. So it would be interesting because we obviously know Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges are not the guys. So if you could take, I guess, one of those, if you could take Teddy or one of these prospects for Pittsburgh, what, which route would you go if you were in that front office? Um, You know, I think that it goes Tua, Burrow, Herbert, Fromm, Teddy. Mm-hmm. So if I'm Pittsburgh and, I, and I'm thinking I'm going to need a quarterback, for reason one, Ben's old, and my ba- backups showed that they weren't the answer. Uh, and reason two, what if Ben doesn't make it back from that injury? Well, I'm, I'm not – if I'm Pittsburgh, I'm not I'm not going to get one of the first three, mm-hmm. uh, but I might be able to get from, or I could sign Teddy cheaper and and you know build up another part of my team there. So I, I think Teddy's a good fit in Pittsburgh. Uh, he doesn't quite have the arm Ben has, but he runs an efficient offense. And if the Pittsburgh running game has been an example of anything it's been an example of being efficient uh, that's why you're able to just slot in marginally talented players into that offense and they gain yards so i think moving teddy into that offense would be a step up from any of the backups they have and and uh, if ben doesn't make it back from that injury you know elbow ligaments are a funny thing mm-hmm. so oh, yeah. uh, to me I, I i like i like that fit yeah, I do too, especially with the weapons they have around there. Not, I would almost say outside of the running back position, you might be looking at a better uh, a better receiving core all around compared to what he had in New Orleans. Obviously, you don't have a guy like Michael Thomas, 
But you definitely have the depth there with, with James Washington and what we saw out of Deontay Johnson in his rookie season. Obviously, Juju, you would hope, comes back to being uh, fully healthy this year. Uh, so depth-wise, they have uh, better t- tools around them than just uh, one guy in Michael Thomas. Uh, it would be interesting to see because, uh, you know, as a – a huge baseball fan myself, like you guys brought up, it is. It, you can never tell with those ligament issues in the elbow. There are times that guys going for Tommy John surgery supposed to be back next year, uh, and then they get delayed again because something really late in the process uh, gets kind of get held up, and and that does matter for the quarterback as well because of how much they're throwing the ball. If it was a running back or wide receiver, I wouldn't be that worried about it because you don't have that repeated motion. But Ben is just like a pitcher. He's throwing – now, he's not throwing the ball 100 times, you know, once a week like uh, pitchers are when they get up on the mound or twice a week depending on, on their how the way rotation shapes out. But he's up there slinging it a lot every single game. So that is going to be a big issue. That's a interesting thought. I really hadn't thought much about Pittsburgh because I just kind of assumed Big Ben would be back. Uh, so it would be interesting. I'd be interested to see, though, if uh, – Bridgewater would be willing to take that chance after sitting behind Breeze for two more years. If Pittsburgh brings him in, they're like, all right, we're going to bring you in. And, you know, almost, I guess, would be the same thing New Orleans told him. You're going to be our future once this guy steps away or if his elbow doesn't work out. Does Teddy want to take that chance again? Because I feel like he's been itching to get and ready to get a starting job, and he keeps getting kind of pushed back and pushed back. Uh, So I wonder if he'd go to Pittsburgh, but I agree. I think it'd be a really good landing spot for him if he did. Yeah, I, I just don't think that there are a lot of he, – he doesn't have a clear path just about anywhere to a starting line – to a starting job. Mm. I mean, he, he, he might be able to beat out Gardner and Nick Foles in, in Jacksonville. That could be an option. But any of the teams that draft one of the top three quarterbacks, they're not looking to bring Teddy in to be anything more than a mentor. So he, he needs to – if he if he's – Set on becoming a starter, he's got to go somewhere where the current starter uh, is on his last leg. And that that pretty much comes down to uh, New England, Pittsburgh, and, uh, oh, what the hell, the Saints. Mm -hmm. So... All right, so back on back on the Senior Bowl, we'll move away from the quarterback talk here. Uh, for me, there was not really any running backs that kind of stood out. Uh, a couple guys had okay days, but nobody that really kind of, you know, blew me away. Not that I expected. I mean, Keyshawn Vaughn was there. I obviously wrote a, a draft profile for him. I still think he's going to be really good. Whether he did good or did not do good at the Senior Bowl is not going to change my opinion on him. Uh, what about you? Did any uh, running backs kind of stand out to you from everything you heard and saw throughout that week in the Senior Bowl game? You know, the running backs, for the most part, there are guys that are going to have to start out in committees. Mm-hmm. I think Vaughn is probably the highest profile guy. But guys like DJ Dallas and Rico Daldell, uh, those guys, they're going to have to go in and they're going to have to earn their keep, uh, probably looking at starting off their careers uh, along the lines of uh, uh, Ryquel Armstead. Uh, or something like that, where they come in and uh, you know, they're the third or fourth running back and, and have to wait for an injury to get an opportunity this year. You know, they, they might have uh, a little bit of Tony Pollard experience where they jump right up to the second stringer, mm-hmm. but they're probably going to be a second stringer to a guy that uh, isn't going to give up a lot of touches. So it, it's one of those situations where um you're looking at most of those guys probably at the end of the second third round of your rookie drafts fourth round of your rookie drafts and you're throwing them on the taxi squad and waiting to see what happens yeah there was one guy i forgot about i i apologize anthony gibson out of memphis he did get kind of a, a lot of buzz here uh during the week uh, so I, I'd definitely be interested to see uh, what he does, but I, I'm with you. Most of these guys, I do, I agree, they're going to be committee guys. Someone you you want to take a shot on at like the end of the third, uh, maybe or early fourth of your your uh, rookie drafts outside of Keyshawn Vaughn. Really sucks too about Eno Benjamin. Uh, he's a guy who. You know, a lot of people had, as if he would have come out last year, one of the top running backs in the class, and, and his kind of fall from grace a little bit here. Uh, I still think he's going to be okay, but but not cl- nearly quite the uh, the workhorse back a lot of us thought he could be after the season he had 
last year. Uh, wide receivers, we had a bunch of guys kind of making names for themselves this week. Uh, starting on the north side here, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., who I, I got a draft profile for him coming up here soon from the Dynasty Nerds team. Uh, he mostly made his name, in my opinion, this year. He had like a, a huge breakout senior year, but did have a good week at uh, – at the Senior Bowl, you've got James Prost from SMU, Denzel Mims from Baylor, and and KJ Hill. Uh, really, a lot of these guys. I'm gonna take that back. The whole North team really kind of made a name for themselves here. Uh, Antonio Gandy, Golden, Chase Claypool, and Quantre Davis all had huge days. But the one I guess um, that really kind of had the biggest day was KJ Hill. So, just kind of your quick thoughts on these these guys, real quick. Uh, I'd say probably we, we like I said Michael Pittman didn't do much this week. I guess so. If you want to touch on all of them, actually, just go ahead. Your thoughts, kind of, at what this week has done for them. Has, has your mindset changed on any of these guys uh, after what we saw this past week? They the the receivers came into the Senior Bowl and pretty much met all of their expectations. Yeah, they were who we thought they were. The big guys, Colin Johnson, uh, Antonio Gandy, Golden, Michael Pittman. They high-pointed the ball. You know, they, they used their size to get open. Uh, the, the smaller guys, the K.J. Hills, uh, in practice, bef- uh, well, he didn't get to practice, but uh, Brandon, uh, is it Ayuk? Yeah, yeah, uh, from- I like Ayuk, yes. So, you know, he measured he measured really well uh, and moved well, but because of uh, some, some issue, he wasn't able to practice. Um, so everybody pretty much met the expectations that were there for them as receivers. Uh, I don't think anybody from the receiving standpoint lost a ton of ground. No. So now they're going to have to go through this process between the senior bowl and the draft. Uh, and they're going to have to separate themselves in interviews and in individual workouts, uh, in the underwear Olympics at the combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as they continue to do that stuff, uh, and then, as people go back and watch their tape, uh, start to figure figure it out a little more. Uh, shameless plug to the Dynasty Nerds film room. There's like 250 <laughs> games up there right yeah. now. Um, but if you if they met the expectations, nobody went in and was disappointing. Uh, but nobody came out of there like Terry McLaurin did last year either. Oh yeah, yeah. There's. I think everybody. <sighs> I do think it's a little bit of a of a stretch, and I think they're using the Buckeye uh, kind of name and, and school as a thing. A lot of people are kind of pointing toward KJ Hill as being the McLaurin. I don't think he's as good. I know we both kind of talked about him, obviously, in the Senior Bowl before uh, in the preview. We we both being a big Buckeye fans, um, I still think he's I think he's at best a wide receiver three. I would not be surprised though with, with some of the videos that were posted of him with the catches he was making, and he did make a, a, a really good impression from everything I've read and heard. Uh, if he doesn't jump up into the second round, I don't think he deserves to go there. I think a lot of that's going to be kind of like Paris Campbell last year with what he did in the combine, kind of vaulted him up the boards, and I still think he's going to be a really good player, but I think he got drafted probably a little bit before he should have uh, with going to the Colts last year, and it really kind of pumped him up a lot of our boards as well. Uh, so so I'll be interested to see what happens with him. He was definitely one of the guys who I thought really kind of put his name out there. Just on the south side really quick, uh, they had obviously Austin Mack, uh, uh, Kalijah Lipsum, uh, Colin Johnson, who I think had a really good week actually. He's a guy who I think, uh, especially with the Combine too, can really boost his stock back up. For those of you who don't know, had a really good junior year. Uh, if he would have come out last year, I think would have been a probably top drafted somewhere in the third or fourth round, uh, probably would have landed on an NFL roster and stayed there, decided to come back to school because he thought Texas had a chance to uh, compete, uh, and just got injured, did not play well, so really had a bad senior season. His stock took a huge hit last year uh, being coming back into school, so I thought a good week at the Senior Bowl helped him. Combine will be good. You had uh, Jennings out of Tennessee. Van Jefferson out of Florida also really helped improve his draft stock. There's a lot of people who think he made himself a a ton of money and everything with what he did at Florida this uh, this past week. Uh, Devin Duvernay out of Texas. Tyree Cleveland out of Florida. And then, of course, you mentioned Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State, who didn't get to do much uh, but measured in and everything. And I do think he's going to be good. He's he's should be in the top 12 of uh, – Everybody's uh, wide receiver rookie ranks moving forward. He's he's a really good uh, wide receiver. 
Uh, so before we move off uh, the Senior well, Bowl, oh, go ahead. Let, let me let me challenge the Colin Johnson point. Okay. So, to me, Colin Johnson didn't disappoint last year, other than being injured. Mm-hmm. He came back. He played seven games. He caught 38 passes for 559 yards, 14.7 yards per catch, and three touchdowns. Well, the year before, he played 13 games and caught 68 passes. So basically, if you extrapolate his senior year numbers, they come out to being uh, about 80, 80 catches to and about 1,100 yards. Mm-hmm. The touchdowns are about the same at seven. So did he really disappoint? Other than being injured, I don't think from a statistical perspective, he did disappoint. And if his game suffered some, it could have been from nagging injuries. But he's he he is who he is. He's he's not a burner. He's a bigger no, guy. Yeah. He needs to use his body to his advantage. Um, and that's what his game is going to be. So... I, I struggle to. Th- I, I think the hype around him last year was a lot higher, but I don't know that it was deservedly so. So when he came into the Senior Bowl, I think he showed who he is. He's a big receiver that runs decent routes that separates himself by being bigger and stronger than most of the guys covering him. Yeah. Oh, so what I mean by disappoint is, uh, I mean, really, if you, because I want to say, I don't have his stats up in front of me, so you can tell me, uh, I'm pretty sure he had a decent sophomore season as well. It wasn't, I know it wasn't great, uh, but they've never really had, I mean, some people like Sam Ellinger. I don't think he's that good of a quarterback, if I'm being honest. I, I just don't. Um, but I know he had the good 2018. Uh, I mean, you, I think you just said like oh, 900 yards, seven touchdowns, I, I believe, correct, in the 13 yeah, games? Yeah, 68 catches, 985 okay. yards, seven touchdowns. As a sophomore in 13 games, he had 54 catches, 765 yards, okay. and two touchdowns. Okay. So gotcha. he improved from his sophomore to his junior year, and he was uh, well on his way to improving on his junior numbers in his senior year before the injury got him. Mm-hmm. So what I what I would say is why I thought he was going to have a better year and him going back and and you I don't know if you remember this player I, again I know because I living here in Texas everybody talked about him and everybody thought little Jordan Humphrey was this really great wide receiver and when he announced that he was going because he was a junior as well uh, everybody thought he was going to be like this great draft prospect and this great wide receiver and I've always said I thought Colin Johnson was better. He was the second fiddle to, to Humphrey. And so with him coming back, I kind of thought, and a lot of people did, that he was going to be the main guy now. And it was going to give him a chance to really kind of step up his game. And I do think the injuries, and in all honesty, uh, Devin Duvernay kind of balled out. And Devin, Devin Duvernay showed who he was and really kind of stepped up to fill the void of Johnson when he was out, which I think hurt him a little bit as well. So that's what I mean by it hurt his draft stock, him staying. Uh, I think if he would have come out last year, being the second fiddle, getting the 900 yards and seven touchdowns uh, is is good for him. Again, I, I agree with you. He's not a burner. He's not anybody who's running by anybody. He uses his body uh, to get, you know, contested catches, high point, a huge red zone weapon. But he just he had a really good junior year. And I think almost in a way like Herbert, if, if I'm going to be honest, had he come out last year, I think, as I said, he would have been drafted a lot higher than he probably will this year. I just I don't think a lot of people had him as like a third-round grade last year. Do you see Colin Johnson going before or in the third round this year? Because I don't. I think he probably falls to the fourth or fifth, which is bad for his draft stock. Um, I don't I don't see him going any earlier than that. And yeah. I, But I also I don't think that it's a – it's any different than what he would have been last year. Okay. Maybe he falls 10 or 15 spots within the round. Mm-hmm. But his game last year is the same as what his game was this year. You know, it, but it was it was Duvernay. Uh, yeah. Let me du- look at Johnson's uh, game logs here real quick. Because Duvernay, he came on and, and he uh, he racked up some numbers. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, he, so he Johnson's game logs – uh, he he essentially this year, uh, he was just getting out targeted and out caught mm-hmm. by du- Duvernay. Yeah, except against Rice. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, Johnson didn't even play against Rice. So Johnson's high was eight eight catches. His high in yards was one hundred and ten. 
uh, Duvernay, his he broke ten catches three different times mm-hmm. and had nine nine catches three other times. Uh, and against Texas Tech, he put up 199 yards. Yeah. He had seven games over 100 <coughs> yards and three games over 150 yards. Yeah, he was, like I said, he he balled out. Duvernay made himself some money this year. with, And and I think a lot of that is the fact that he he is more reliable. He's he's a guy that was playing in the slot a lot. He was obviously playing in the uh, outside as well, opposite of Colin Johnson. Doesn't run as many deep routes, very sure-handed. He's not a guy you have to throw the ball up to, and he can be a burner. He's not the fastest guy, but he can get by people. He's faster than Colin Johnson, uh, and he did. He had a phenomenal year. So that uh, that's another reason why I think it, in a way, kind of hurt Colin Johnson's stock is that a lot of people expected him to be a one, and I don't think – maybe that's unfair to him, but what and what you're saying is that he's he's a, he's a two, and he's a big-body guy. You use him the right way. He is what he is. He's shown that. And maybe some of us kind of put unfair expectations on him and him coming back. All right, he's going to be this one. He's going to be this alpha dog wide receiver. We're going to see him have this great season. And it just didn't happen to him, whether it was because of Duvernay injuries. Uh, just It did not culminate in a season a lot of us thought was going to happen for him. So for me, that's why I say it was a little bit disappointing um, just, just in the way that the season shaped out for him. Uh, let's see. Who would I want to – oh, tight ends, tight ends, before we move on to uh, – Getting your prediction on the Super Bowl, since uh, we we talked about it a little bit with, uh, or I talked a little bit about it with Matt yesterday. So, a lot of uh, tight end talk this weekend as well. Uh, obviously, the big talk was uh, Troutman, Adam Troutman out of Dayton, who had a a really really good week. Uh, Bryce Hopkins is a guy that I think of not a lot of people are talking about out of uh, per, sorry Bryson Hopkins. Bryson Hopkins, I cannot say his name, my goodness. Out of Purdue, I think, had a really good week as well. He's a guy you might be able to steal late in your rookie drafts because I don't think a lot of people are talking about him. But for me, my tight end one has not changed. Uh, I, I It's still Jared uh, Jared Pinkney for me from Vanderbilt. I know a lot of people have Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic who are both also in this game as their number one tight end. Uh, what did you see out of the tight end position this past week? Yeah, I think Troutman stepped up to the level of competition. Playing at uh, at Dayton, you know, he didn't always play against top level competition. Yeah, and he showed that he can uh, he can handle the blocking aspect of the game as well. But that he's he's a reliable pass catcher. Uh, you know, Pinkney looked good, and, yeah. and Hopkins looked good, and Bryant looked good. They were the top four tight ends uh, in this game, and they played like it. Yeah, I'm. I'm really going to be interested what happens with the combine. I think a lot of people are forgetting about a uh, about Jared because of just a bad year he had. I mean, his quarterback was just god awful. He had a huge uh, year the year prior, uh, and that's what really kind of pushed him up the boards to be my tight end one this year. If he did come out, uh, obviously, like you said, a lot of people big on Troutman. He had a huge game. N- none of us knew what he was going to be. Obviously, in playing at Dayton and not playing against this topper, or I shouldn't say top level competition, but better competition than what he was going up against in Dayton. And clearly, he he showed that he can hang with those guys. So I think that's really good for him. Uh, and then obviously, Harrison Bryant just had the stats in the season uh, to really back up being the tight end one. But uh, if you can get Pinkney later, I, I would do it. I think he's a guy who's probably not going to. I would think rookie wise third or fourth tight end drafted, and I think he's going to be the guy. I, I compared him to not tool set so don't take it this way uh but but the George Kittle of this draft I think he's a guy when George Kittle came out a lot of people were taking him like the third or fourth round of rookie drafts and and then he turned out to be this complete stud I don't think he's I don't think he's gonna be George Kittle in the NFL but I think he's that steal that you can get he's a tight end you can grab really late in your rookie drafts and he's I think especially with as bad as the tight end position is could easily be a top 10 tight end by year one or two uh in the NFL so he's a guy I really like and, well, let's just do it. Speaking of George Kittle, he's playing this weekend. We got one game left here in the 2019 season. It's a big one. Looks to be a really, really good game. That was a beautiful segue. Thank you. You know, I've been trying to work on that. I just sit in front of the mirror and practice all the time like the Joker did. You know, just uh, do the smiles and frowns, and then I'm just messing with myself and, you know, just trying to work on my segue. So, uh, but you got the— Nobody the, you know, wants to hear about you messing with yourself, man. Uh, that's right. I'm sorry. Wrong podcast. That that one. That's the After Hours podcast. I apologize. You're right on that. Good call. This is a family show. We'll keep it family. Uh 
Great, I think it's going to be a great game Sunday. Two really good teams. Uh, it's going to be strength on strength. Uh, I don't think either one of these teams' weaknesses are going to come much into the picture in this game. Uh, we talked about it a lot yesterday. What are your thoughts on the Super Bowl? Uh, and who? I, don't tell me who you think is going to win yet. Just kind of give me your overall thoughts on the Super Bowl. Let's kind of talk about it here for a minute. It is a classic case of the immovable object versus the unstoppable force. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's, it's, you know, from a physics perspective, I, I, I can't imagine how excited real nerds are. Uh, it's just, I mean, you've got the, the San Francisco defense that's one of the best defenses in the league that has played lights out. They're playing great at all levels of the defense. And then you've got the Kansas City offense that can manufacture points like nobody's business. And it, it's, it's one of these things where I look at it and I'm like, well, let's say that let's say those two their two strengths play to a draw, then where who gets the edge when it comes to their weaknesses? You've got the uh, Kansas City defense, you know, led by Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, and uh, versus the uh, Chris Jones versus the uh, San Francisco offense led by that one cut running game. Raheem Mostert and George Kittle on the big play and Debo Samuel balling out. And who knows, Jeffrey Wilson could show up and carry the ball 20 times for 175 yards and three touchdowns out of nowhere. So, you know, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I would not be the least bit surprised to see Kyle Juszczyk get six catches for 75 yards <laughs> and a touchdown. It's just, it's just crazy. So it comes down to me that which, which weakness, for lack of a better term, do I think will outperform the other weakness? And I think that the San Francisco running game uh, is going to have the edge there. Mm -hmm. uh, the way the way that the Shanahan system is set up, uh, it, it can be strong. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, will Frank Clark uh, be able to get after the passer? Uh, Chris Jones, is he going to be healthy and play in a full complement of snaps? Um, that's going to be a, a big thing uh, you know, Jones only played about 50% of the snaps through most of the playoffs, I think. Yeah. think so, uh, uh, you know, but, but when he's in there, he was creating some havoc. Yeah, there was a, a report, I believe, uh, sent out uh, by Field Yates, I think, earlier today that uh, everybody on both sides are fully healthy, which even means Tevin Coleman, and they'll be playing. So I'll be interested to see, because uh, I think that's just a good thing for both sides. Uh, everybody fully healthy, both teams coming in with their full complement of players. It's going to be, I mean... It scares me a little bit because everybody thinks this is going to be such a such a good game. It, it were it really worries me that this game is going to end up being a really bad game because you just don't everybody. It seems like I've not seen one analyst say this is going to be a bad game, and I feel like everybody's moving one way, and then it's going to end up going the other way, kind of like last year's Super Bowl where everybody thought it was going to be sort of like a an offensive shootout with the way that the uh, the Rams' offense was and the Patriots would have to try and keep up with them, and then it turned into that defensive just slugfest the entire Super Bowl. Any chance you think that happens? Not, not that it would necessarily be a defensive slugfest, but it's a, you know, like a 13-10 game or a 17-10 game. Any thoughts? You think there's – is there any way that the score is that low? I, I don't I don't think so. Uh, I'm expecting probably – Something along the lines of 37-27. Okay. You know, 35-23, something like that. I, I think it'll be probably a 7-10 to 10 point spread. Mm -hmm. But but I do think that uh, there'll be some points put up. All right. So I'm going to ask you a couple questions uh, about the matchup here. One side or the other, if they get up, uh, say – double-digit points you think they won't be able to come back from it. So say Chiefs get up, you know, 14 nothing on the, the 49ers or 49ers get up 14 nothing on the Chiefs. If if that happens either way, which team do you think cannot bounce back from that, or do you think both can? I think both of them have the firepower. Uh, okay. You know, the, the, the challenge, it'll be more challenging for San Francisco mm -hmm. uh, because they do rely more on the running game. But they're not opposed to making big plays. You know, Kittle and Debo Samuel both can make big chunk plays. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert, 
and, and Tevin Coleman, for that matter, both have good enough speed that if they can get to the second level, they can pull away and pick up big yardage in the running game. I'm glad that you brought up the running game for San Francisco because this is something I didn't get a chance to talk to Matt about yesterday, so I want to get your opinion on it. Say we get into the fourth quarter and San Francisco is up, I don't know, I'd say seven points, and you're getting late in the game, and the running game hasn't been working that much for them. What do you think Kyle Shanahan does? Do you think at all that that 28-3 game with Falcons and the Patriots, I'm sure everybody knows about it because everybody's been talking about it all week now, where Kyle Shanahan should have run the ball and didn't, do you think that will come into his mind at all and affect him in play calling at all in the end of the, in the end of the game if it's close or if they have a decent sized lead that maybe he runs the ball in situations he shouldn't uh, to kind of make up for that because we have seen him kind of make some comments here in the run of the playoffs that he wants to run the ball more because he's learned from his mistakes hasn't necessarily said it was because of that but I kind of feel like that's what he's hinting at. Do you think what he did in that past Super Bowl with the Falcons might affect his coaching decisions in this one against the Chiefs? Well, I think Kyle Shanahan believes in his running game to the point where uh, he does think that it's going to work. So if he gets up, I I do think he runs the ball. Uh, But I also understand when you've got playmakers like Kittle, and, and Debo Samuel, uh, the lure of trying to make something happen through the air, you can't just overlook it. And, and also, coaches routinely outsmart themselves mm-hmm. by going against what they know or, or what the conventional wisdom about them is. Shanahan, of, of course, going into just about every game, People think, well, we got to stop his running game because he run, 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 runs. And so he thinks, well, they think I'm going to run, 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 so I'm going to pass, 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 pass because he thinks it gives him an edge. I I think thoughts like that are only natural. And and you can't look back at a game against the Patriots and, and let that put so much pressure on how you do things going forward. You have to learn for it from it. You have to look at it. You have to be able to put it in context and, and recognize the things you did well as well as you did uh, the things you did poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the 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 Patriots ain't no joke. So yeah. just because they came back and beat you twenty eight to three, you know I, I don't know. I, I don't think Shanahan was calling the defense. No, no, yeah, he wasn't. Well, I think everybody makes that, uh, unfairly puts that blame on Kyle Shanahan because, uh, and I did bring this part of it up to Matt yesterday, was the fact that it was a third and one play, and instead of just giving Devonta Freeman the ball, where even if, say, he doesn't get that first, even if he doesn't get that yard, it's the amount of time that they then eventually kill off the clock, which likely does not allow New England to come back in that game. I don't, I haven't gone and figured it back out, but I know I watched a, a thing on the NFL Network about it where they talked about the the time that would have killed off the clock if they would have just waited and then punted the ball would have not allowed New England enough time to eventually then come back and score those touchdowns and get back in the game and win it. Uh, that's all they well, needed to do. And if they obviously got it, it would have killed the game off completely. Instead, he does the seven-step drop with, with Matt Ryan. He gets sacked. Then they punt it and give the Patriots even better field goal position. Or no, I think they were actually in field goal range. So they could have kicked a field goal, which would have ended the game. Uh, instead, he takes the sack. They have to punt the ball. New England gets good field position, and then and then the comeback comes back. But that is fair. It, it should have been more on, on Dan Quinn with that defense, but... I think, and you you know it because you've seen it. We we have a friend that is an Atlanta Falcons fan uh, in one of our Dynasty League group chats that a lot of that does get heaped on Kyle Shanahan for his play calling. Well, but if you look at it, everybody everybody takes the context of what that game was, and they say, well, if they'd have ran it, they'd have, and even if they didn't make it, X amount of seconds would have came off, and then that wouldn't have given New England the time. But everybody looks at it and says in the context of New England running, taking, let's say they had 30 seconds left, and the context is they run all the same exact plays. Mm -hmm. If they had 30 seconds left, they wouldn't have been running those same exact plays. They'd have been running other plays. And, yes, those other plays probably have 
a lower percentage of success, but they also are fairly successful when they run those plays. So it, it, it you can't, re- it's not always, it, it's not just apples to apples when you do it. New England would have ran a different set of plays had those things occurred. And maybe the, the odds were in Atlanta's favor if that had occurred, but it isn't any guarantee that it, that New England doesn't get down there and, and score, even if they had, you know, uh, ran, ran the ball instead of pass. Mm-hmm. All right, well, just to be fair, let's go on the Chiefs side here and talk about Andy Reid and, and his struggles as well. We, we brought up Kyle Shanahan's. Andy Reid has got the moniker that he doesn't do a very good job uh, time management. Now, I, I said that I do think that's changed a little bit here as he's definitely relinquished a little bit more control than he used to have. You go back to the Super Bowl with Philly. Uh, had no real like concept of time when they were in that game against New England, uh, down ten points, and they I think took like four minutes off the clock when they needed to get two touch or not two touchdowns, but score in two possessions. Uh, just really kind of wasted a lot of time. We've seen it in other playoff games when he did come over to the Chiefs with Alex Smith at quarterback, uh, not calling timeouts when he should have, letting time clocks run down. I do think that's changed a little bit because you you definitely see Eric Bieniemy has really kind of taken over and doing a lot more with that offense, uh, which allows. I think Andy Reid to kind of see the bigger picture. We haven't seen it, uh, I would say, last year in the playoffs because, again, that was more D Ford uh, that cost them the, the chance to go to the Super Bowl than anything Andy Reid or really Kansas City did. Uh, and we haven't seen it so far this year. So, do you think that at all comes back to bite Andy Reid? Or if there's something coaching wise you think uh, could come back and, and haunt the Chiefs, what do you think it'd be? You know, Reid has earned. Uh that reputation through a long career of success and clock mismanagement. It it is what it is. And it's going to take winning a championship probably, uh, or losing, uh, handily for that to go away. He, 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 you know, he gets in over his head sometimes it seems trying to call the plays and manage the clock. Mm -hmm. So letting the enemy handle more of the responsibilities uh, certainly should be good for the situation because it, it divides the responsibilities and allows maybe Reed to handle more of the clock management. Uh, we'll see as, see as the game goes on. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for me. So we're we're here at we're we're about at the hour mark. So let's let's go ahead and dive into it. I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked Matt. Uh, if it's different, I, I I don't know who you're picking to win yet. So who are you? Who do you want to win with your heart? And then who are you picking with your mind? If it's different, so if, if you've got two different winners, like you think San Francisco is going to win, but you want to see Kansas City win, or vice versa, who do you think will win? And then who do you hope wins? Well, with my heart, I want the Lions or the Browns to win. <laughs> so they made it? Oh, thank God. I was so, hoping this was just a really bad dream that it was Kansas City. And, given uh, <laughs> given that the, this game is the 49ers and the Chiefs, uh, I give the edge to the 49ers. I'm, I'm okay. taking the 49ers. Uh, I think that the Kansas City defense and the uh, – San Francisco or the San Francisco defense and the Kansas City offense, I think are going to be a draw. I think Kansas City will make some plays, and I think uh, San Francisco will make some stops. Mm-hmm. So then it comes down to the San Francisco offense versus the Kansas City defense, and I think I believe in the Shanahan running game, and I think they're going to be able to pick up enough yardage that is it's going to put the Chiefs defense on their heels, which is going to allow Garoppolo to make some plays to Debo and to Kittle uh, and to whoever else happens to be the other receivers out there. I don't even remember them now. Oh, Emmanuel Sanders. That's who I keep and, forgetting. And Kendrick Bourne has had a really good playoff run yeah, as well. Yeah, and he, he's so underrated. Uh, he just always seems to step up. <laughs> yeah. But I, 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 think that, I think that that running game is the tiebreaker. Uh, I think the San Francisco running game is going to be able to pick up yards, and that's going to put the 49ers in the position to get to score more points. 
All right, so is it, do you have any sentimental ties toward the Chiefs or no? You just It's going to be the 49ers for you. No, no sentimental. I don't have sentimental ties towards either team, really. I got you. Yeah, so for me, what I said yesterday was I, I – I, I, it's the same for me. I, I do think the Chiefs are going to end up winning, and I want to see the Chiefs win, so maybe my heart is overruling my head because the 49ers are a phenomenal team. Because uh, I want to see Andy Reid get it. As you just mentioned a minute ago, you think that getting that championship will kind of, I don't want to say negate everything that's been said about him, where he has mismanaged stuff, but it would be very good for him. I think he's a, been a phenomenal coach in the NFL for a very long time, and that's the one thing that's kind of missing for him. So I'd love to see Reid get it. Uh, I, I really don't care. Who wins? Uh, being a Browns fan, it's not like we have any kind of history with the Chiefs or the 49ers. If it was Baltimore and San Francisco, I'd be all in on San Francisco and trashing Baltimore everywhere I could go. Uh, but that's not the case, so I, I don't have any ill will toward the Chiefs or anything. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to be ridiculous forever. Ooh, you know what? Before we cut out of here, we'll, we'll, let's go out on um, possibly a hot take here. Second year in the league. AFC Championship twice into the Super Bowl in his second year. Over, under on how many more Super Bowls Patrick Mahomes gets to. It was set it with five. So he's already made one, so I guess four. I'm sorry. Four more over, under. Under. Oh, really? How much under? Well, I, I think that Andy Reid is probably only only has three or four more seasons probably. I think he's you know he's starting to talk about his grandkids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's a, those are one foot out the door, uh, statements. So he's, he's, he's looking at life after football. Uh, I think when he looks back over his career and the success he's had, um, I, I, I feel like Reed, he's content. He, he had a great, great head coaching career in Philadelphia and getting a second life in Kansas city after, it ran its course in Philly. I think he's shown that he's one of the top coaches in NFL history. Yeah. Uh, but I think that he's going to sort of take a look at things here over the next. I get it. It's great. You, you've got a dude like Patrick Mahomes. You know, the, the end of your career can be tied to that. Uh, but there's a there's a there's not a lot of Patriot type uh, legacies out there. Yeah. And yeah. So just to assume because the Patrick Mahomes, uh, I I don't know. I, I he, if Dan Marino and his ability couldn't do more, uh, I, it it takes a very very special situation and connection for it to happen. Mm-hmm. It's not to say Kansas City won't have it. I think they're as long as Reed and Mahomes are both there, I think they're going to be good. But I also think things are continuing to get better. Uh, all around the league, uh, it, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. No, I agree with you. I mean, we got Baker, the touchdown maker, is going to be MVP next year. So I'm not, you know, they're not going to at least not next year. They won't be back in it. But uh, uh, thank you, Dennis, so much for jumping on with me today. I'm looking forward uh, looking forward to the Super Bowl. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are really starting to move toward the 49ers side, which I think is good because everybody was definitely on the Chiefs early. Uh, hopefully, it's a really good game. As you mentioned earlier, for all of you guys who are listening, if you've got Twitch, check us out. We'll, me and Dennis will both be doing a, a mock draft on Monday on Twitch, part of the Dynasty Nerds channel. Looking forward to it. should be a lot of fun. Uh, and you can, and not even just when me and Dennis are on there, check it out every Monday, I believe. We're going to be doing mock drafts with Dynasty Nerds. It'll be different people here and there. Sometimes Dennis will be on there, sometimes me. We'll see what happens throughout that. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And this is it. I mean, after Monday, Dennis and Matt will be back with me. We'll recap the Super Bowl. And then, as I mentioned earlier this week, it's going to be full on 2020 talking prospects and everything the best part of the year so i'm really looking forward to that part have a good weekend buddy and i look forward to talking to y'all monday right on prepare for glory i don't know if you got your popcorn ready you got your popcorn ready i came out the wrong line ready and he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown i would be honored Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Only they tackle the before you Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>